Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? I'm feeling very Floridian this week. Are you? Yes. Uh, I think that's because you went to Florida. It is because I went to Florida, and which was kind of awesome. At the same time, it was not awesome. It was awesome because we had a great trip. We got to see the uh, meeting site. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a few minutes. But it wasn't awesome because when you can see Disney from your hotel room but can't go to Disney, right? that's just not cool. Yeah, that's hard. That's really hard. Where where were you staying? Uh, we were at the Rosen Center where we're going to be the, the main hotel for next year. Okay. Okay. Very nice. I am excited. We, I, we're going down for a site visit in a couple of months, and I'm already looking forward to that. So I yes. can't wait to see the space. I was at the convention center a couple of years ago for uh, not not the SBC, but for a different conference. But I was I really started trying to picture it because I've yeah. not been to an SBC in Orlando before. Which so. conference center or part of the convention center were you at, though? Because there's like four different major areas there. I was in the one it I guess it's kind of across from the Hyatt maybe there I think it's a Hyatt there's a kind yeah. of a sky bridge over uh-huh. It was a it was the one it there's the west one that's kind of behind a hotel it wasn't that one it was the other side okay. I think it was well, the larger one The one we're in is the west one Oh okay well I wasn't so in that one It's the one that's connected to the Rosen Center hotel Got it got so, it okay I wasn't yes. in that one And and I will say this Yes. Straight shot, direct walkway, no hallways, no turns. Nice. Very, very simple. Everyone will be happy about that. Yes. Everyone who came to Birmingham, trust me, it's easy this year. Well, that's good. Well, actually, when I was there last year, the building that I was in had some complicated layouts. So that's good to to hear the building I was in in Orlando. I was there not for not anything SBC. I was there for Comic-Con. If it would, I don't know if that would surprise you, but I no, was. No, it, it, it totally does not surprise me. You took Drew down there because Keith took Mary to the Clemson game. There you go. We yes. talked about that on the podcast. I remember. I had forgotten. I had forgotten that we talked about it, but I would. Yes. But but for but maybe not everyone heard that one. So I was yeah. there for Comic Con, which was certainly different than the SBC. So I'm sure we could know. list some similarities, but. We won't. We'll, <laughs> not we'll get tonight. into the news here not, in a minute. Not this week. Yeah. Before we get into our news this week, we do want to thank our sponsor once again. If you're not casual about your faith, your Christian college should not be either. As the undergraduate school of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, Boys College exists to prepare men and women for gospel service in areas like biblical studies, business teaching, ministry, and much more. You can study on campus in Louisville or online and find out more at boyscollege.com. So, uh, happy to have them on again as our sponsor this week. On to the news, Amy. We we touched on it just a minute ago, but this past week there was a meeting in Orlando uh, where SBC leaders came and cast a vision for the 2020 SBC annual meeting. Yeah, so this was really exciting. So Florida Baptist pastors, they are really getting local people excited because the local community, the pastors in the state of Florida, their support and buy-in and excitement matters tremendously because people are coming to their home state. So this was kind of a kickoff to get that momentum started. And uh, I'm excited to see the goal got thrown out there, 12,000. Well, he said, Dr. Floyd said 12,000. Yes. And then Dr. Greer got up there and said 15. And I was like, whoa, Amy's going to really like that. Oh, 
I but we'll see. I'm man. I'm, just, I'm with I'm with Dr. Floyd here. I'm with twelve. Um, I think ten's a shoe in. Twelve is our our goal. And if we get right. to fifteen, man, woof. All right. Oh, that would be that would be tremendous. Jordans so. for everyone, maybe. I don't know. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but it was a great event, Amy. So I got to go. The executive committee invited me to attend with them. So I went down with them, got to see everything. We did a lot of social media stuff on uh, SPC This Week on Instagram and Twitter. If you missed it this week, go back and find us, SPC This Week on Instagram and Twitter. Had a lot of information there and on Facebook as well. So there's a lot of information there. But had uh, Dr. Floyd, Dr. Tommy Green, who's the executive director of the Florida State Baptist Convention, Dr. David Youth, who's the pastor at First Baptist Orlando and also the president of the Pastors Conference this coming year, as well as J.D. Greer. They all did a panel up there, talked about the SPC, the future of the SPC, the 2020 annual meeting, and just kind of cast that vision, had a room full of people. It was a great. I mean, First Baptist Orlando did it right. It was fantastic. Uh, a great event, great worship, praise and worship beforehand. Uh, there was a couple of clips I shared on Instagram stories for that. I mean, blew the roof off the place. It was amazing. So I'm encouraged. I'm excited. I know the pastors that were there, they left encouraged and excited as well. And I can't wait for Orlando, Amy. I'm, I'm pumped now. I'm, I'm ready to go. That's exciting. Well, we can, uh, do we, we, our countdown clock should be going. I, I need so, to put it on. I'll put okay. it on. How about that? I'll turn it on. All right. Excellent, because it's time. We should already yeah. be counting down. June seventh and eighth is the pastors' conference. June nine and tenth is the annual meeting. So, I mean, it's it's just it's only you know nine months away. Amy, let's go. I, Make I'm ready. your plans now. What is it? Yes. Dean and Sarah says Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision. Yes, the SBC annual meeting is a right now decision. Yes, it's an August decision. It's it's actually an August or a September decision because when those hotel rooms start going in October, you got to get them. Yes, registration for hotels and housing starts October 1. Messenger pre-registration starts February 1. Remember those dates. Yes. All right. So there's a great story in Baptist Press about that. Uh, Barbara Denman, I got to meet her. She was the one doing the story there. I'm, I'm telling you, I had a great time. It was a great event. A good trip. And they also released this year's SBC annual meeting theme. Amy, it's one that's familiar to us, Gospel Above All. Gospel Above All. So we are going to have the same theme, uh, except when you see the logo, it's a new logo this year, a new graphic, but has some similar connections. The colors are similar to to last year. The colors are similar to this past year. And uh, so it makes that connection. But it says Gospel Above All, always. And Dr. Greer said, you know, yes, it's unusual to have the same theme two years in a row, but it becomes important to say this is going to be our priority. Uh, He said, most pastors know when we are sick of saying something, our leaders have just heard it. And when they're sick of hearing it, the congregation usually is hearing it for the first time. And I know the same thing in, in marketing that usually when your team is completely sick of something, that's just the moment when people have started to get it. This is a message that President Greer has made clear all year, and he wants to make it clear again. So we are back with gospel above all. Yes, we are. And I'm looking forward to that. I, I thought the, the theme this year played out well and was a very good theme. And I cannot wait to see what next year will look like in Orlando. So I, I'm a little excited for the annual meeting. I don't know if I've been this excited for an annual meeting ever before, Amy. Well, that's that's pretty good. I'm not sure. John, I'd like to say I'm pretty excited every year for the annual meeting. That's true. 
but I'm yeah. I'm like overly excited this year. Yeah. I don't know why, but yeah, just because I'm seeing things come together in a different way than I have before. I guess right. I mean, you know the early going down and that kind of stuff. So it it's you know the juices are flowing. Yep. There you go. All right. We have some more news, Amy, from the Houston Chronicle. Another story this week on evidences of sexual abuse in Southern Baptist churches were kind of swept under the rug and, and covered over uh, a few decades back involving Daryl Gilliard, Paige Patterson, and Jerry Vines. We are recording this on Thursday, August 22nd. The story dropped today around midday. Uh, the title was The Women Are Hurting, and that's a quote uh, from in the story. The story of Daryl Gilliard is not a new one. It's one that has been out. Uh, the the I believe it was the Dallas Morning News covered it quite extensively, maybe even back in the 90s. And it has been discussed by many. Uh, but it does seem like there was some new evidence that came to light that the Houston Chronicle acquired. And it doesn't say how they acquired it. Uh, it just says that someone who had it produced it. So there are some videotapes of the night that Daryl Gilliard left one of his churches and as well as some some videotapes of discussion over the allegations against him. And they do present some troubling patterns. It does present some new, very alarming allegations about how those issues were handled. And it's hard to take in. It's hard to process. I read it once just by skimming it and then I had to go back and it took me probably an hour to just really read through the whole thing and take it in and I still think I haven't quite processed all of it. So what I think this is displaying in the way it was laid out in the article and you can correct me if I'm wrong but it's pointing to just patterns of uh, behavior and how things were handled. So it's very, very troubling. For those who aren't familiar with the story of Daryl Gilliard, it's a tough one to take in. And it seems like a lot of women were hurt in all of that. And so as we process it, I'm not sure we can even see all of the implications of this. But I think the one thing we do need to understand is a lot of women were hurt and harmed and have been for decades, and many of us did not did not know. Even as we knew the story of Daryl Gilliard, I'm not sure. I certainly didn't know the the number of women who yeah. were sort of damaged in this process. So, I I would say I'm at the stage where I'm just letting it all sink in right now. And then what what we all do with this, I'm not sure. Except I continue to just recognize that our system is so multifaceted and with with all of the autonomous relationships that exist, the local church, uh, local associations, state conventions, national convention, making a change in how we handle this is only going to work if everyone steps up and says that we're going to be a place where this type of thing is not tolerated. So I'm very impressed upon that. The other thing that I'm really struck by is we have a lot of conversations about what to do when when victims come forward and how to handle that. The question of believing the victim, listening to the victim, however you say it. I, I think it's important to see the damage that came and is clear in this story of the fact that many women apparently came forward and were not listened to. And that's yeah. a tough that's a tough thing to take yeah. in. And, and, and that's not to throw out due process. That's not to throw out walking through the needed steps in these 
But there's a place for us to be diligent listeners, diligent leaders, and diligent advocates uh, for victims. So Rob Downen, who wrote the story for the Houston Chronicle, tweeted out earlier that he highly recommends Southern Baptist Church leaders watch the, the videos here as it is a great roadmap of what not to do when dealing with abuse. And, and dealing right. with abuse is something that we've you know, been talking about the last few months about this. We, the Caring Well Challenge, Amy, actually launches this Sunday. So that, that's something that's, that's aimed specifically to help churches deal with this. And there's a story in Baptist Press this week about the launch of that coming this Sunday. Right. This is eight-part, 12-month effort helping equip churches to prevent abuse and to care for survivors. It's launching this Sunday in about 750 churches. And you can continue to sign up at caringwell.com. And even if you miss the August 25th date, then start it the next week. Absolutely. All right. Well, that moves us to some state convention news. Eight state conventions, including Colorado and Ohio, have partnered with Will Mancini, a Houston-based church consultant and author, uh, for strategic revisioning and relaunching in their state conventions. There's a story in Baptist Press this week uh, about specifically Colorado and Ohio. Uh, we mentioned those two because they are specifically outlined in here. And their partnership with a group called Denominee, which is a new organization founded by Will Mancini. Uh, the North American Mission Board is coming in with these states to help fund this partnership in at least eight Southern Baptist state conventions. Uh, so there's some information about that and how they're trying to really help local churches thrive through a biblical network, a new imagination for how groupings of churches flourish and how the network brings value to those local churches. So uh, just kind of strengthening those bonds, those networks across states, uh, in, in states. And uh, there's eight states that are jumping into this uh, with Mancini and Denominee. Yeah, so that's, I mean, eight states out of 41 conventions, that's a, a pretty strong Yeah, almost 20%, right Amy. Right, right. I know, so, I know the math and all. Uh, all right, right. so we, we mentioned gospel above all earlier. There have been some Florida Hispanic gatherings across the state of more than 1,000 Hispanic Florida Baptists coming together to pray, to equip one another, and to meet and to kind of get involved in the gospel above all movement and who's your one evangelism initiative. Over three Saturdays, they're really focusing in through the Hoosier One Evangelism Initiative, as well as church planting through the Send Florida Network. So I, I think this is really neat where we're beginning to see the theme play out, not just in the week that we're gathered together, but throughout the, the, not just in the week that we're gathered together at the annual meeting, but throughout the year and throughout multiple sort of subgroups within the SBC, gospel above all seems to be the message that everyone is using. And I I love to see that as well as who's your one. Yeah. And, and they're expecting around a thousand people next June in 2020 for the Southern Baptist Hispanic celebration. So uh, Dr. Floyd will be speaking at that and they're going to have people from across the U.S., Canada and Puerto Rico at that and really looking forward to that. I, I expect that will be a massive celebration there in Orlando. Speaking of Puerto Rico, Amy, they have broken ground on the new Sind Relief Center in Puerto Rico. Yeah, so they had a ceremonial groundbreaking on August 19th, and they're hoping that this new facility will really help the outreach efforts on the island. They are still dealing with the impact of Hurricane Maria two years later um, and will be, I think, for a long time to come. And so having 
a presence on the island, I think, will really matter so that they can continue to help and serve throughout the island. Yeah, Sin Relief has already been doing a ton of work down there. Uh, since the hurricane, volunteers have invested 12,278 days worth of service, engaged in 1,500 gospel conversations, and seen 107 professions of faith. They've also served more than 760,000 meals, provided Wow. 1,134 water filtration kits and assisted in the cleanup or repair of 400 properties. So a lot of great work being done by Sin Relief down in Puerto Rico. Uh, kudos to them and everybody at Sin Relief for getting that going. And I know the church planning effort and the, the Send City designation, even though it's not a city, it's for the whole island of Puerto Rico, uh, the 33rd designation that they have. And Felix Cabrera leading that down there with the Puerto Rico Baptist Association. I, I, I mean, Puerto Rico, we're doing great things down there. Uh, Southern Baptists are, and uh, we're seeing a lot of work being done down there. And I can't say enough about the leadership that has uh, gone on down there in Puerto Rico to to really help them recover from that hurricane, and and not just in a physical way, but a spiritual way as well. All right, Amy, some kind of sad news, but some congratulatory news. Uh, we got news this week that Art Tolston, longtime editor and employee over at Baptist Press is announcing his retirement effective the end of September. Art is the senior editor of Baptist Press. He took that title in 2015, so he's been doing that for four years, but that's after he was editor for 23 years. Um, Art is a, he is an MVP of Baptist Media. Um, I have a ton of respect for him, and he has just made tremendous contributions to tracking the Southern Baptist story for over 27 years. So his decision to retire just came, you know, after putting in a lot of years and then just saying this is the the right time, but he wants to keep following God's call in journalism wherever the Lord leads and continue to work. Uh, but, you know, I love how I've known Art for a long time, seen him around. Uh, everyone knows him. He's great to work with. But I also love when I'm doing some of the work that I do digging around in in Baptist Press archives. And I'm, I go back in the 90s and I'm looking at something or even, you know, earlier. And there it is by Art Tolston. And I just love it and have enjoyed even talking to him about some of those stories. So he has such a history and a background with Southern Baptists. But I love this, this BP article that just describes what, uh, what a wonderful person he is, how he displays the fruit of the spirit and just is, has been a, has been a hard worker and a good man. And so I am thankful for, uh, for what all he has done for Southern Baptist and we wish him the best. Yes, we do. He has helped us here at SBC this week on many occasions. We've pinged him for information or for a tip on something or just his, you know, picked his brain about certain things that we found in the history. I mean, I remember the, uh, the, the was it the Encyclopedia of Southern Baptists that we, yes. we talked to him about all the cards or something. It was like forms people filled out of. Yeah. It was kind of like the who's who or whatever. And he, he was like, yes, right. I knew about that. And, and he told us all about it. It was, it was great. So we had a chance to sit with him at a Baptist press dinner, I think in Phoenix a couple of years ago, you, me, Colby Adams and, yes. and Art. And we got to sit together and just talk for an hour and a half. Yeah. Just about it different things. It was fantastic. Just life. So, just life. Yeah. It was great. So yep. Art, thank you. I think, you know, on, on behalf of Amy and, and myself, we thank you for your life of service to Southern Baptists. Side note, because I did not know this. He's written five books. And I, uh, I have them all, Amy. 
I, I didn't know this. I'm actually, I'm actually okay. I was about to say I'm upset if you have them all, and they're all on like spiritual disciplines on uh, prayer, on scripture. He did a verse a day devotional. Three hundred sixty-five leaders share the scriptures that have guided their lives. So I actually saw this and thought I've got to get some of Art Tolston's books um, because. That just demonstrates what a follower of Christ he is. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our news this week and bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. Going back to 1991, and actually I went to a a Baptist Press release from a few days after this week. It kind of goes into next week, but because it was reporting on an article in the student magazine, I decided to go ahead and bring it up now because it looks like it was a conversation that was sparked and, and turned into an article. So you know how I like to bring surveys up oh, that yes. just Those tell us, fun. tell us something. So this was, uh, it's called the student magazine and they did a survey where they would ask college students to choose from a list of 28 societal needs and concerns and would ask them to pick five out of the 28 that concern them the most. So they're looking at uh, issues in society, 28 things, pick the five that concern you the most, and then they, uh, then they did it. And out of 501 survey respondents, 46.7% checked child abuse as the need and concern in society that concerned them the most. And the editor of the student said um, that the readers of the student magazine had chosen it as their number one concern for four years in a row. It was also in the 1990 Southern Baptist Constituency Study, which surveyed 1,377 adults. 55% of them checked the same thing, checked child abuse from a list of 27 items. It was the number one moral issue for them. Um, other societal, back to the student, other concerns that they checked were um, abortion, 45.1% just below the homeless, poverty, drug abuse, world peace, you know, things like that. We, a lot of times here world peace sort of thrown out there as the thing, you know, uh, the, the pat answer. Yes. Yeah, the cliche I, answer. Right. But I, I found it very interesting because we want to, because we are talking about this issue right now about abuse. And I understand that the phrase child abuse probably encompassed in, in that survey, a lot of things, and it may have encompassed physical abuse, um, emotional abuse, uh, sexual abuse, just all different kinds of things. So I, 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 I want to be careful that I don't define the term since I don't have that. But I think it's important for us to note historically that this isn't a new issue. This is one that has concerned people for a long time and that we have needed to take very seriously for a long time. Um, I think some have taken seriously for a long time, but it does demonstrate a historical pattern that people have been concerned about this. And they were talking about it all the way back in 1991, uh, 39 years ago, this week in SBC history. Yeah, there's some fascinating other survey results in here. I yes. highly recommend folks to go check this out just to see where the the kind of the thoughts and minds of students back in 91 were compared to the, where they are today. Uh, just a couple of little things I, I did find kind of funny. Only 58.5% of people who responded to the survey in the student magazine said that they actually read the student magazine, right. which I thought that was kind of funny. And then uh, another thing 
the percentage of students who'd like the church to give help in. The last item there, sexuality, 6%. Right now, I think if you ask students that, that is nowhere near 6% now. That would right. be way It's a huge higher. issue. This is very different. Way higher. So it just yeah. to show things how how the things have changed in 27, 28 years. So right, it's also interesting. It it said that they had a high view of scripture, that when they were asked to choose from a list of statements, two or three that would be closest to their view of the Bible, most of them eighty three percent checked inspired by God, and um, seventy five point six percent checked guidelines for Christian living. Just under thirty percent checked inerrant, infallible, but they. They said, and this was interesting about the survey, they said they did not think that meant uh, that they didn't have reverence and respect for Scripture. They actually thought that a lot of the students didn't understand that terminology. They didn't know I, what it meant. Yeah, I don't Makes know. Sense. I mean, part of me part of me wonders if that's the case, then should it have gone into the survey uh, without explanation? Yeah. But that would be a question for Scott McConnell. So uh, it's interesting. Preferred Bible version was the New International Version, followed by King James, New American Standard, New King James. So uh, that that was interesting as well. Yeah, it, it, but the the funny thing on the Bible version, forty nine point nine percent of students said NIV. Only fifteen percent said KJV. Right. It was big. And then yeah. whenever you look at the Southern Baptist constituency. NIV was Which only is at nine percent. Yeah, for the right. adults, NIV was only at nine percent. KJV was at sixty-two percent. Yeah. So there was a yeah. huge generation gap in Bible translation yes. choices. Well, and then when I think about this, I mean, ninety-one was when I would have been a uh, freshman. I think freshman. Well, at this point, I would have been a sophomore going into my sophomore year of high school. And NIV, I went to a Christian school. NIV was everywhere. That's what everybody was using. I had a New um, King James because that's how I had I I had a new King James because that's what I was given as a child. And so that's what I used at home. But when I was at school and they had Bibles in my, you know, school and everybody else, NIV was, was what tons of people were reading. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? Mine is a new missional resource for students, and it's put out by WMU. It's called Missions Journey Students. It's digitally formatted to give ongoing missions discipleship curriculum for student groups. So it's to help them. That sounds great, actually. Yeah, it's to help them discover how they fit in, where they are as disciples of Jesus who live on mission. It's video-driven, easy to use, not a lot of leader prep. Uh, they worked with student ministers and leaders, uh, both those who are connected with WMU and then some that are, are not. It has a one-year plan with 12 four-lesson units for a full year of missions lessons, a single unit with missionary videos and four lessons planning and four lessons providing material for a month or a monthly drop-in with a missionary video and one-hour missions lesson. So it basically has all, it's kind of a cafeteria plan. You can use it all different ways. They're undated, uh, topical units designed around geographical regions. So what's really interesting is it sounds like they're doing a lot of the work that WMU has done for missions education, but just for a digital age. So the first unit ha has just released and it's on Australia. And then they'll be available uh, the first of each month and you can get it at the WMU store. You can download a free single unit sample so that you can see it and kind of get your yeah. get get your mind around it. So I thought I'm looking that was at one cool. on Chile right now. Yes. 
yeah. sample. So, and it's uh, co-ed. Uh, it's not just for teen girls. So, I mean, it's just if you want to supplement your Wednesday night or midweek youth stuff or maybe even Sunday morning youth stuff, perfect thing to use for missing education. Yes, absolutely. And this is the kind of thing we need to be educating our our students about missions. And this is a great way to do it. Yeah, fantastic. All right, my resources of the week. I have two of them, maybe. It's actually a couple. Of, well, it's it's one resource, but two things about it. So my resource is Baptism Sunday coming up September the 8th. There were two articles this week in Baptist Press, one by Dr. Floyd, one by Vice President of the Southern Baptist Convention, first Vice President of the Southern Baptist Convention, Marshall Osbury. And I, I just, there was a quote in the Marshall Osbury one that I just thought was fantastic. Museums typically tell of the past, of how life used to be. In the church, we never want there to be a baptism museum. In too many churches, the baptismal pool, or wherever you baptize, has become a museum artifact. Baptism is not a relic of the ancient past. Baptism is an essential part of today's church. For Christians, baptism was instituted by the Lord Jesus Christ for his church and mandated in the Great Commission. The filling of the baptism pool with water is a tremendous reminder to the church of the message we are called to remember. We baptize believers. And I just thought that was a fantastic quote. Great article from him and from Dr. Floyd. There's been a a series of articles that that are coming in Baptist Press for Baptism Sunday. And I I mean, if, if your church is not participating in this, you need to. That's awesome. That's great. Yes. Absolutely. So you can find out more about the resources. We'll link to the articles, but if you're looking for resources, nam.net slash evangelism, and there's some Baptism Sunday stuff, or just go straight to nam.net slash baptism dash Sunday, and you'll find all the information you need for that there. All right. There you go. So that's our show for the week. Amy, you guys had convocation today at Southeastern. We did. So congratulations on getting kicked off for another semester. All of our Southern Baptist seminaries are underway now. Uh, Semesters are going. I saw Jamie Dew had his first convocation down at uh, New Orleans this past week. And uh, last week, it was the first convocation for Dr. Greenway at Southwestern. So they're getting their first semesters as presidents uh, kicked off. And uh, so excited to see everything going on at our Southern Baptist seminaries. And we'll see what next week's news bring, Amy. We'll see you next week. See you next week. 